speak to uh, my brothers and sisters here in the Dallas County. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a college student, but I, too, was at the ICMC. And uh, I, I made a quick 24-hour trip down to Austin to see what's going on down there. I didn't want to miss out on all the goodies. Uh, I literally got there and about 30 minutes before things started, saw a few familiar faces. Uh, I got to reconnect with uh, Steve Lounsbury, who studied the Bible with me. And uh, just so encouraged to see him and his wife and his uh, very tall son who I once held as a little baby. Uh, it's just incredible to see that. Uh, we started off the night, you know, I was there, they're ready to begin worship. And they start with men who dream. And uh, I was like, I just got here. What happened? Uh, you know, you just end with that song. And they're starting with it. I knew there was going to be something special about this ICMC. Uh, I got to reconnect with teens uh, from L.A. where, you know, uh, I was back in L.A. Uh, a few years ago uh, being a t volunteer teen leader there. And now a lot of those teens are college students who are about to graduate, about to get married, about to go into the ministry. And uh, so cool to reconnect and see them cross paths with all the teens that I've grown up here with in Texas for the last six years. To see them know each other. To see them share stories. We'll study the Bible with me. We'll study the Bible with me. Like I got stories about that guy. I got stories about him too. And it was just so cool to reconnect and to see how big the kingdom truly is. And uh, to walk away with a lot of things in my heart is uh, understatement, is very inspired, very encouraged and convicted. Uh, but I, I just have a few things I like to share with you here this morning. I feel God put on my heart and I hope you will feel encouraged, inspired and challenged by here this morning. Amen. You know, what shapes your view of God? Can you think of that? The answer to that question here this morning, what shapes your view of God? What is shaping your view of God today? You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or as the NLT version says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Who thought about that, about themselves here this morning? Who woke up thinking, I am a masterpiece? I know I didn't. You know, just saying it out loud a little bit is tricky and difficult for us. Why? Because it's hard to really, truly believe that. And yet... Scriptures are clear, we are God's masterpiece. You were created to be God's masterpiece, but do you feel that way here this morning? You know, the title of today's lesson is, We Are God's Masterpiece. You know, we're going to have a little art quiz here. Students are going to hate me for this. But we're going to have a little art quiz. I'm going to take you back to school. And uh, you might know some of these well-known masterpieces. Maybe you've taken a humanities course. That's the class I dreaded the, mo the most at Pepperdine, at school. It was a humanities course. But let's show the first slide. You guys know that one? Ah, oh, there you go. Some of you know it. A Sunday on La Grande Jatte. 
I don't speak French, but I could just say jeté and croissant and things like that. Okay, very famous, right? Next one. Mona Lisa, right? By Da Vinci, right? Okay, great. You guys are good. Next. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, that That's Emmanuel's artwork from last week. Um, sorry, not sure how that got there, but that's a masterpiece in my eyes. Next one here. Sorry night, bye. Okay, Van Gogh, the guy with the missing ear. Okay, yeah, okay, next one. Yeah, interesting name to this one. I'm, I'm sure we're familiar with it, but Son of Man by Rene. Uh, interesting name, right, Son of Man. 1964 version. Now, here's the 2017 version of this. That's, that's what it would look like, right? All right, that, that's... That's what it would look like, right? Okay, now one more. One more. We'll end with this one. You've seen this, right? A lot of parodies done on this one, right? American Gothic, uh, Grant Woods, okay? So you're looking at all these masterpieces, right? And many of us know their authors, while others may not. But that's not as important as this question. Do you know who your author is this morning? Who created you? And do you know him? Because you were created to be a masterpiece. Now we have a problem with becoming God's masterpiece, don't we? Sometimes we don't want to be shaped in the way God wants to shape us. You know, if we're honest, we tend to be a little critical about certain things we know very little about. Think about people who can do things that you can't do are you often critical of them you know think about your dentist for instance you know Fred Hype great brother in the church he's he's my dentist and you know you imagine going to see him and he's telling me what's wrong with my teeth as he usually does but this time I'm like ah sorry uh, sorry to interrupt there but you actually don't know what's going on that's actually false that's wrong that's not what's wrong with my teeth. I hear that you're just still practicing. And so when you stop practicing, then you're legit. And then I'll listen to you. Can you imagine? You know, Alex and Devin up here leading the instruments, and, and, and you're watching them, and I'm just like, hey, hey, guys, step back. The way you strummed that guitar, you know, it was kind of, it was offbeat. It was off kilter. Man, you know what, guys, 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 I, let me help you out. Right? There are people who could do things that we can't do. And hopefully we have the humility to understand that, to acknowledge that. And we, we can have a problem when it comes to God. He's the artist. He's designed to create, and we're supposed to become, his masterpiece. Look at Isaiah 29, verse 16. You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say of the potter, he knows nothing? 
You know, we wouldn't have the audacity to say that out loud, I hope. But we might have the audacity to think, you know, God, I don't think you understand my situation. You know, I don't think you understand my circumstances and why I make the choices I make based on the circumstances around me. My situation. You know, we can think those things. We may not have the audacity to say them. To say God knows nothing. We can think such things in our lives. Where are we at in this journey of being created in the image of God? Where are you in this journey of becoming God's masterpiece? Are we being shaped, molded into who God wants us to be? Jeremiah 18, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you, are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in the sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do for it. Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans, each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Wow, that sounds pretty discouraging, right? (laughs) But it doesn't have to be. You know, if we allow God to mold us and shape us, he will do as he pleases. God's desire for you is to be his masterpiece. But the key to becoming this masterpiece, I've learned is you must have a soft heart. You absolutely need to have a soft heart. You know, God intends to take clay, to take this clay and mold it. And we're in his hands. And he's intending it to be molded and shaped, and there's pressure, because that's how it gets shaped and formed. There's, there's pressure And at times we resist and we start to break. We start to kind of fall apart a little bit. We're we're being tested. There's trials. There's disappointments and hurts and pains. And we begin to break a little bit. You feel discouraged. You lose heart and you become just now this pile. It wasn't perfect before, but it's definitely more imperfect now. Instead, what God 
intends for you to be is this moldable piece in his hands so that he can work on you and I. And as we're starting to get hard a little bit, he waters us just a little bit. He sees that we're becoming hard and he waters us just a little bit before he's done with us to keep us soft. You remember times when you've had a soft heart? Times in our lives when we were so pliable, so moldable. We felt things. We allowed God's word and his people to communicate God's word to us. And we felt things. We were so moved and cut by our sin. We're so moved and inspired by God's promises that he communicates through his word time and time again. Hurts, pains, disappointments, but also joys, victories, and times of celebrations. I want that kind of heart. How about you? When someone in the church hurts, I hurt in the church. When someone celebrates in the church, I celebrate in the church. You guys catch my drift here? And we also remember times in our lives. We've had a hard heart. Man, you remember those times? You've had a hard heart. It's desensitized. Sin. It's not a big deal. Ah, I blew it again. Let me just get off my chest, tell someone so I could get over with this. Desensitized. It's not, oh, I just, I just broke my father's heart. More than just breaking the command, there are repercussions, there are consequences coming because of this. It's, oh, I just, I just sinned, you know, I messed up. Oh, we come to church and we're just like, hey, I'm coming, I did my duty, I'm here, it's attendance. We're not thinking about being outward focused. Maybe we're not paying attention. Maybe right now you just started paying attention after 10 minutes into the lesson. You're not taking notes because maybe you're like, oh, I got this. I'll remember everything he says. I'll remember all the great points that was talked about. Oh, it's only for you and not for other people. So instead of writing it down, you're just chancing it on your memory. We're desensitized. Our hearts can become so hard. You know, Jeremiah 18, look, look what it says, verse 6. Oh, house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. You know, God wants us to be soft and moldable and pliable. But we can end up being anything but that. We're rigid. We're tough. Man, we want things our way. And God is working out on you and I to create this masterpiece. But you got to have a soft heart. A soft heart that does what? A soft heart, point number one, that embraces truth. A soft heart that embraces truth. How do you know if you have a soft heart towards God this morning? That's a good question. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, from you, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Amen. I will put my spirit in you 
and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You know how you're soft-hearted? You know how you know that you're moldable, soft-hearted towards God? Are you keeping in step with the truth this morning? You know, we have to have a soft heart that embraces the truth. And we live in a society where the truth, there is no absolute truths with a capital T. There's no such thing. And if there's no such thing, then even that statement alone cannot be true according to that person's reference point, right? If there's no such thing as absolute truth. College professors and teachers will tell you the truth. Man, it's relative. It's up to the individual. There is no hierarchy of values, of morals. But then you turn in your paper and they grade you. You got to have a soft heart. You got to love the truth with a capital T. No matter the consequences that come from siding of the truth. You know, John 18 verse 37, Jesus answered, you say I am the king. And in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In other words, there will be consequences for standing on the side of truth. You have just made a line. You have drawn a line in the sand. This is where I stand. This is how I live my life according to God's word. This is truth. But you know, in our society, man, we love, we love man-made rules. We love false doctrines. Whatever fits our needs. Whatever fits our convenient, uh, you know, way of living. Just tell me what they are. I'll follow them. I'll be a good, obedient servant. And then your minimums start to become your maximums. You know, you've ever been there? Just tell me what to do. I'll do that. And that's all we start to do. Isn't that crazy to think about? Here's the creator of the universe. He has forgiven our sins. He has given us a chance and hope of a new life, an eternal life with him. And in return, all we do is come to church and try not to cuss and give tithe. Now, now keep doing those things, <laughs> but are those your minimums? Because then they're just going to become your maximums. You think our God wants us to respond like that to what we have done, what He has done for us? You know, we like following these false traditions. Man, man can tell us how, you know, we're truly biblically saved. Man can't tell us that. That somehow we can confuse large congregations, masses for truth. And the reality is, you know, the reality is when you see Jesus with the crowds, what does he start to do? He starts to separate the crowd. Because within this crowd, there are true worshipers. There are. But Jesus says the following to distinguish who are those people. He didn't just accept the masses of the crowds. He came to seek and find his true followers, his true worshipers in truth and in spirit. You know, sometimes we get at a place in our lives, man, we can get too old to mold. 
And before you stone me, I'm not talking about age exactly, okay? You don't have to be old and age-wise to be too old to mold. You have to be self-hearted to the truth, though. It will be essential, Matthew 28, to obey this command and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's that word, obey. Oh, we don't like hearing that. Obey. I'll tell my toddler that. I'll tell my kids that. You can't tell me that. I'm not telling you that. Jesus is telling you that. And when you hear the truth, how do you respond to it? When you hear truth, how do you respond to it? Your habitual tardiness is disrespectful. You, you know, you, you seem, you and your family, you know, you guys seem very disconnected. You're, you're kind of on an island. Oh, gosh. Oh. You know, you, you need to spend more time with your kids. You need to engage and be there for them. Words matter. Ah, just get them cut up. You know, my toddler in his high chair. And you put a green vegetable in front of him like broccoli. Oh, he will let you know by his face of repugnance. I don't like it. And that's how we can be. That's how we can respond to truth. I don't like it. I don't like it. Maybe I don't like you who's bringing the truth. And we start attacking the messenger rather than the message that's being brought to us. You know, but it's good for us. But the fact is, the truth does hurt. Do you have people around you who will tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear? What you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You know, these last few months, they've been a doozy, a whirlwind in the Garcia household. Just preparing the arrival of our second child. Uh, trying to balance all of that, trying to plan team camp, trying to be, be present, be effective. And in the middle of all that, you know, you kind of start letting go just a little bit. And I start feeling some things. Like certain shorts or pants that were nice fitting are just a little more slug, uh, snug now. Or, you know, lost maybe about a half step in my basketball game. Hope you caught that half step. Don't get crazy, college students. Think you can still take. Don't get crazy. I didn't want to believe it. I might have gained a pound or two or three. You know, these last months, we're all trying to figure out, you know, where did Derek and, and Emily's and Leanne's and Ben Arcelana's weight go? We found it. Yeah, we found it. And I had a few suspicions and all. But what do you do when you realize that maybe that's the case? What's the thing to do to figure this out? Man, you step on a scale. You step on a scale. Went to Addie's 
one of Addie's doctor's appointments there. And after she jumped off the scale, I jumped on the scale. And sure enough, I saw a number I've never seen before. And that's for me, okay? I don't know what's yours, but that's for me. And it was confirmed. No more guessing. It's there. The truth has been revealed. You know, the Bible, it's our scale. And you got to be soft-hearted to the truth. You can, you can act like it doesn't exist. You can ignore it. You can shun it. Man, you can wish it away. You can even get mad at those who are giving you the truth. It's like me getting mad at the scale. I don't like you. That's, how, that's what we do to each other. Brother tries to love you. Sister tries to love you. I don't like you. I love you. That's, that's why I'm saying these things. You know, the thing is about the scale, man, it doesn't lie. It'd be weird today. <laughs> we want to be God's masterpiece. You've got to have a soft heart that embraces the truth. You know what else you've got to have a soft heart towards? You've got to be teachable. Have a soft heart that is teachable. You know, why do we have a problem being teachable? Well, Jeremiah 18, verse 12. But they will reply, it is no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. I mean, imagine the audacity to say this. This was said by them. Oh, you know, we might live like this, but we would never say these things. We just might live it. I'm just coming to church. I'm just doing my priestly duties. I got my checklist off. I have no intentions of coming to be transformed, to be shaped, to be molded, to leave in a better place than when I first came in here. Are you teachable or unteachable? Teachable or unreachable? Do we have the slightest edge of defiance in our hearts? Defiance. Because that's what it is towards God. Defiance starts young, doesn't it? You know, maybe you've seen this video of this little toddler wanting to be control, in control over his own mother. Let's watch this video. They can listen to me, listen to me. Like, like I do this all the time. And if I go out at the, at the house with the little door, Matthew has his toys. And then Matthew has all his toys. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, but listen to me. Look at If we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're going to break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, I'm. Look at look at You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. 
said, no cupcakes. Oh, isn't that so sweet? If it's your child, it ain't. <laughs> if it's your kid, it's not. But you know what? Is this how we are with God? He said, no cupcakes. He said, you shall have no idols above me. You shall worship none than me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. The harvest is plentiful. So pray for the few workers. Not doing the good you ought to do. It's sin. Yes, sins of commission. And we've gotten good at that. We're like, hey, I stay away from sin. But are you doing the good you ought to do? Because if you're not, it's sin. Listen, 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 God. God, listen, listen. God, God, listen, listen. You can't be serious. Listen, God, listen. Are we that way with God? That's God's children. Why would we think that God views us differently when we are like this with him? Are we defiant to God and being molded? Have we reached a level of maturity that's just, it's so superior enough. We just know enough now. Boy, that's so dangerous. You know what that sounds like? Like a piece of clay just breaking off. We're supposed to be soft, moldable, but now we're just breaking off. You don't have to be old to be too old to be molded. That happens even with our youth. We're unreachable. We think we got this thing down, being a disciple. I'm not a six-month-old disciple. I'm not a one-year-old disciple now. I'm a two-year-old. I'm a three-year-old disciple. Hey, maybe even a five-year-old because I was baptized as a teenager. And we think we got this on straight. You know, we got so much more to learn. I'm not the perfect father, I'm not the perfect husband, not the perfect minister or friend. And that's a good thing. I feel at peace with that. Why? Because you aren't either. And that's why we're here. To figure that out. Because we need each other to figure that out. To become the masterpieces that God has called us to. But is our heart willing to be teachable this morning? Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, than your thoughts. You know, this is God saying, okay, you've been talking a lot now. Now it's my turn. I got a few things to say, so please be quiet and listen, verse in case you thought God was asking for my opinion and your opinion, guess what? He's not. He doesn't even want you to weigh in on it. Your opinions. He says, as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Now, we shouldn't be treating each other that way, that's for sure. 
but, how we, but this is how we should feel towards God. Let me go seek out what pleases God. What pleases God. Let me seek out wisdom from God and not society or man-made rules. You know, lastly, as we bring this in for a landing, soft hearts that are willing to serve. Soft hearts that are willing to serve. This is so important to me because when our hearts are soft, man, we're willing to be whoever God wants us to be in his church. You know, and I'm honored. I'm so grateful to serve the church in the capacity that I get to serve, that I love so much as an evangelist, um, as, as a servant here in the Youth Found Ministry, and really to the DFW Church. And you know, when I was at the ICMC, I was doing my best to blend in with the college student. I, I lasted as long as I could until I went to the men's class and I sat down amongst just college students. I was like, man, I'm just going to pop in and throw myself in there, start saying hi, talking with people. And then someone had to ask me what school I went to. I was encouraged, but then not, uh, because I was like, ah, cover is blown. <laughs> so I talked to them a little bit. They're like, well, what are you doing here? Da, da, da. And they just had to reveal to them, oh, evangelist in the Dallas Church, Youth and Family Ministry. Oh, cool. Wow. Hey, I, dude, we're about to have D group. You want to lead our D group? I'm like, no, man, you guys are good. You guys got your thing going on. Well, I have a few questions about the ministry and all. I'm like, okay, that's fine. What's up? He's like, how did you become an evangelist? I said, no, I know. I've been asking myself that question many times. <laughs> many times. And, uh, you know, I looked at him. I thought for a second. I looked at him. I just said, you know what? How I became an evangelist? Dude, I picked up songbooks. I looked at him, and I saw this glazed kind of dazed face on him. Not so much because of what I had shared, but literally because I think he was wondering, what are some books? <laughs> it's like, amen, bro. You know, a saying that was drilled into my head, into my heart, was when I was a teen, was that a grateful heart is a serving heart. A grateful heart is a serving heart. Me serving or not serving, that's, that's correlated to my gratitude? Absolutely. It absolutely is. You know, I think of, the, I think of all the teams we have that make things possible for us. The AV team who come and set things up so much earlier than we do. I think of the worship team who come to countless practices to just, to just get that song down right. So that it would just perhaps connect and move our hearts. I think of the children's ministry who now I am so grateful and invested in. Because if it wasn't for that, I mean, my son, that little masterpiece there, he wouldn't have gotten a chance to do that. But we're partnering up together and helping instill faith in our children, right? The vacation Bible school servants, right? And I think we still need more. But I appreciate the serving hearts we have in this church. As we prepare to take communion here, I want you to think about the greatest servant of all. That's Jesus.
who definitely stood and embraced the truth, who definitely was teachable. Though being the son of God, where was he at a young age? I'm at the temple courts. Where do you think else I would be? But he also was a servant, a slave of all. Not come to be served, but to serve. In Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, then I consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. You know, we too have an opportunity to die to ourselves daily. To choose, to die to our wants, our desires, our value. The way we thought about life before being a Christian if they are not aligned with God's word, we have a chance to die, to produce many seeds. Many seeds that will bear much fruit. Those of you who went to the ICMC, I stood there in awe, understanding and realizing that what you guys experienced there came from a time where men and women, yes, they, they, dream, they had big dreams. They dreamt big dreams. But the reality is, what we have now was built on broken dreams. Was built on careers that were broken, were sacrificed, were given up. Lifestyles, given up. So you could have what you have today. So we could have what we have today in the Dallas church. So I could have what I have today because of the sacrifice that people have made. You decide to have a soft heart that is embracing the truth, that is teachable, that serves, you too will bear that kind of fruit. Let's go to God as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Our Father in heaven, we absolutely, absolutely at this time just want to come before you thanking you for your love. It compels us so deeply. It reminds us what it's all about. And from that, there are messages that are hard hitting, that are tough to hear. But we trust they come from love. And they are good for us. Like the pressure that the clay feels in the potter's hand 
it's a good thing. Because ultimately, it's going to be transformed and shaped and molded into a masterpiece. And Father, I pray that we could renew our hearts this morning so that we can be used by the potter. We can be shaped and molded in ways that are beyond us, in ways that stir our souls so that we in turn can stir and save what is lost. We know that you'll be with us. We know you're with us at this time as we reflect on you. Help us remember Jesus, who is our example and the one to follow. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.